Let's sing that one more time. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of Jesus, we just declare your praise forever. We declare that in this place and in our hearts and with our lives, we will give you the praise that you are due. Just take a moment and let that praise kind of well up within you. Let that desire to give him the worship of our lips, the praise of our lips just kind of dwell inside of you. Yes, God, we praise you. Thank you, God. God, we praise you in this place because you are worthy, because you are a good God, because with you nothing is impossible. We praise you because your blood has paid it all. And we praise you because you love us so intimately and so securely and so purely. We praise you in this place today. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. You want, y'all are wonderful. Just want to take a minute and uh, tell you how delighted, it, delightful it is to worship together, isn't it? It is really good. That being said, I have some news that may not be your, your favorite because you're at this service, but starting in August, we're going to not have an 8:30 service. Y'all okay? Okay. The reason why is uh, we went to three services because we want to make sure that we could get everybody in who was coming with social distancing and do that well. And we believe that we can do that with two services instead of three. And so um, for us, for those who are in the house serving from very early to very late, it's much easier for us to do two services. So we're going to do, we're going to not have the 830 and it's an experiment. Everything we do here is an experiment, right? We think God's saying to do this, we're going to try it, uh, we're going to give it a shot, and um, we're going to keep our 10 o'clock service and our 11.30 service, and the reason being is, in case we have to add one back in, then it's very easy to just go back to the schedule of 8.30, does that make sense? So if you really like this service, here's your assignment. Start praying for revival, that so many people come to the 10 and the 11.30 service, that we have to add the 8.30 service, right? Wouldn't that be a good problem to have? And so um, if you would just hang with us on that. And the reason why we don't want to change it is because we want to kind of keep the schedule that we're on so that if we do have to change it, that would be great, a great problem to have. We can do that. Now, are you mad at me? All right. Anybody like, come on, I was getting out of here so early. Sort of. Sort of. We don't want to admit that, right? We don't want to admit that. 
So uh, I have a word for us this morning, I believe is from the Lord, and we've been talking about our identity, we've been talking about who we are in Christ. That wasn't necessarily a planned uh, series that we had, but it just seems like the things that God is speaking to us, especially in this time, are about who we are in Him. And so last week we talked about how we were made for rest, right? And the, the, the idea of God's rest is wrapped up in and exemplified by a Sabbath day, a day that we set aside for worshiping him, and we find our rest in our worship of him. Well, today we're going to talk about how not, we're not just made for rest, but we're also made for peace. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as God's children, you and I were made for peace. And peace has a lot of different connotations, and I think we are living in a time where there is certainly a search for peace. Peace right? Some of you, it's, it's a very simple search. If I could just have a little bit of peace and quiet, right? Just want everybody around you to leave you the heck alone, right? Or maybe it's complex. Maybe your search for peace has been complex. Like, you're not okay unless you have that vacation that you have every year, but that vacation's not really a vacation. It's that, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Those people that intricately plan every detail of their vacation. Some of you are looking at each other. Y'all need to just, just, Stay straight with me, just, you know what I'm saying? And you, like, you know that you'll have peace after you've done the thousand things to get to that one place on the one beach with the perfect weather and the breeze and that perfect, you know, virgin daiquiri, pina colada, whatever you drink in your hand. Like, that's that place of peace, right? And the search is very intricate. For some of us, it's, 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 it's just varied. Like, we've tried everything in, in our search for peace. You try a new diet, you try a new vehicle, you try a new neighborhood, you try a new church. You try a new, maybe just another religion or some other spiritual practice. People all over the world are searching for peace, and that's what leads them to these religious or spiritual activities. But the truth is this. The search for peace is a universal search, right? We all want to be people of peace. What do, maybe, and especially at this time, our peace has been pushed upon a little bit. Over the last few months, have you felt your peace kind of slipping away? Maybe just that internal sense of peace, like in, the, in one moment, you didn't realize it, but everything was just building up and building up and building up, and you found yourself saying, I can't take it anymore, this is ridiculous, and you've lost that sense of peace inside of you. We're talk, when we talk about peace, we're talking about external peace, but also internal peace. We'll kind of get into what we mean by that. But maybe in this times, like, you've had your literal peace shattered. Like, you, you live in a neighborhood, and, and because the 4th of July wasn't happening where the government was throwing, putting off fireworks, everybody in your neighborhood decided to throw off fireworks, right? And your literal peace was disturbed. Or maybe, maybe the, the, the situation that you find yourself in with your job is not very peaceful because of it might not even exist anymore, the same as it did before. Or maybe your, your physical peace has been disturbed, like you're not sleeping well and you just, you just don't have that sense of rest that you had before. Your emotional peace has been rocked. Or maybe even your, right now your spiritual peace is rocked. Maybe not around what the whole world is suffering through in terms of pandemic, but maybe your personal peace is being rocked by a situation that you're facing that is just overwhelming in its nature. How many of you have ever had your peace messed with? And so this 
We live in a time where it's being pushed on incredibly, but it also is a universal issue that we deal with all the time. Because I believe that the enemy of our soul would love nothing more than to destroy the peace that our lives are supposed to have. And so we're going to talk about this morning about how we have peace and how peace is found in the Lord. Now when we talk about peace and peace with God specifically, it's really nothing new. In the Talmud, the Jewish scholars say that the entire Torah, that Old Testament portion that they they use to describe relationship with God and how God wants to work in the earth, they say that the the entire Torah is for the sake of shalom, the, the, the Hebrew word for peace. In other words, God's dealing with man all the way through and our record of it, his rules and his laws and the accounts of how he dealt with people and the prophets and even the, 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 the Psalms and the, the spiritual sayings, they all have to do with producing shalom or peace on the earth. In Hebrew, the word shalom is peace and it's not just the absence of conflict. When we're talking about peace, we're not just talking about like peace in the Middle East or peace in the... In, in Ukraine where there's a conflict still raging. We're talking about not just the absence of conflict, but a wholeness. When we're talking about peace, we're talking about completeness, a complete well-being. Think about it. There's probably been a time in your life where you have felt that, maybe even a, just a glimpse of it, like that just everything's right with the world feeling. That's what we're talking about when we talk about peace. It's physical, it's psychological, it's social, and it's spiritual. It flows out of one's relationship, relationships being put right with God, with oneself, and with others. I, how, many, how many use the Google? You can Google uh, this word shalom, and it'll bring up a Wikipedia document. And I, what I think is really interesting uh, and I don't always just use Wikipedia as a, as a source, but I, I learned something about Hebrew. In Hebrew, words are built on roots, generally of three consonants. And so when the root consonants appear with various vowels in additional letters, the variety of words often come together with some, somewhat of the same meaning. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in Hebrew, you have se- several different sets of consonants, and those consonants, if you add different vowels, come up with different words that have much of the same meaning because of the consonants that they con- consonants that they contain. What's really interesting about it, when you take the word shalom from the root of S-H-L and M, you come up with words like shalom, which means peace and well-being. But you also come up with words like this, hit shalem, it was worth it. Think about peace and it was worth it. Have you ever done something, you're like, yeah, that was worth it. I needed to do that. Or shalom, it was paid for. We have peace with God because it was paid for. Or meshalum, paid for in advance. Our peace with God has been paid for in advance by Jesus. Or mushalim, perfect. Or shalim, whole. So when we're talking about the peace of God, we're not just talking about the absence of conflict, or we're not just talking about physical circumstances being the way we want them. We're talking about a wholeness or a completeness, a paid-forness, something that we can walk in that doesn't come from what we can work up. Does that make sense? And the truth is this, because people find peace in all different circumstances, people look for it in all different places. In Romans chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, at least 17, uh, I think, because it doesn't look like two verses worth (laughs) of, anyways, my notes are messed up, I'm going to have to take a look at them in between. 
In Romans chapter 3, we'll just say that, Paul says this. He describes the condition of human nature. He says they don't know where to find peace because they have no fear of God at all. People search for peace but don't know where to find it when we don't find it in God alone. The truth is this. Peace is absolutely found in Jesus. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. He's about to go. He's about to usher in the age of the church where his church represents him on the earth and builds the kingdom. He says this, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So important that we nail down into this equation as we talk about peace this morning that we don't misunderstand. I'm not preaching to have a better, more organized, controlled life. Not talking about just getting your way. Like, don't go home and say, Pastor Josh said I deserve peace, I was made for peace, so all of you shut up and leave me alone. And I know none of us would do that, right? But we have to understand that this peace cannot be rooted in other things. It's a peace that the world cannot give. It's exclusive to those who are in relationship with God. And Jesus said he gave it to us as a gift. And then he said this in John chapter 16 a little bit later, as he's speaking to his disciples, as he's about to leave, he says, now do you finally believe? Understand, the time is coming. It's actually here now when you will be scattered, each one of you going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And I've told you all this, that you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials. You'll have sorrows. But take heart because I've overcome the world. He's literally saying, you're going to abandon me, but I'm all right. I'm at peace. He gives description to what he says. It's a peace that cannot be produced by circumstance. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have sorrows. But there's a peace that I want you to have, that I've given you to have in me. And I'm telling you this so you can have it, even though the circumstances don't warrant it. Does that make sense? And so Jesus says, uh, I want you to see how this works. Let's look at a scripture where he actually applies this for his disciples. It's almost like he's illustrating at the end of his walk with him what's happened before and giving them a highlight about how that peace looks. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, we have an account of Jesus and his disciples having the same reality but a different reaction. And let's look at it this morning. It says this in verse 35 of chapter 4 of Mark. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Jesus invited them for a boating trip. How many of you like being out on the lake? Right, That's, it sounds peaceful, doesn't it? So we have in our minds, right? Like the water's calm and maybe we're throwing a fishing line in or just sitting by the water or the gentle waves are lapping. Right? We, we live by some great lakes, literally, right? And then they're beautiful. And so Jesus said, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. Maybe they're thinking this is going to be a pleasure cruise. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. I think that's interesting. 
go to the other side of the lake, and they took him in the boat, right? Think about that in the context of what we're reading. They took him with them. And they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Then Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to waves, Silence! Be still. Other versions say, peace, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Father, as we break out this account of Jesus, you bringing peace to the storm, Father, I pray that it wouldn't just be about some people that didn't get it, and it wouldn't be about us being tossed to and fro, not getting it, but this morning, we would deeply anchor ourselves in the sense that peace comes from you. And we can access it with you by faith. Not in some pie in the sky kind of way, but actual, literal peace in our lives and our hearts and our minds today that you promised to your disciples. Father, we receive it with joy as a gift from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see, first of all, from this account that peace is not circumstantial. Oftentimes, we struggle as human beings to find peace by just making our circumstances different, right? If I could just get home, I'll be all right. If I could just leave the house, I'll be all right, right? Have you ever been in an argument with somebody that's totally at peace and you're not? That's probably the most annoying thing. You're talking about the exact same thing, and the other person's like, I'm doing, not because they don't care. They're just really at peace. And you're like, no, we've got to solve it right now. And there's just turmoil inside of you. Same circumstances, different peace. And what Jesus is demonstrating is this. What we see in this account is that they're in the same circumstances, but they have a different peace. Some circumstances, same circumstances for the disciples, different peace. So I don't know what it looks like for you in your circumstances. Maybe COVID has made you lose your peace. Maybe what's going on in society is robbing you of your peace. Maybe the things that are going on with you personally and in relationships with people are are robbing your peace. Maybe what's happening at work is robbing your peace. The truth is this. You can have the exact same circumstances. You are in it right now without one change of circumstance and still experience the peace of God. The storm that's raging around you and the lack of peace you have is not caused by the storm. Now it got real quiet. The storm is not the issue for Jesus. It's the issue for the disciples. But the truth is this, as human beings, oftentimes our peace is based on circumstance. Right? And we try to find peace in changing our circumstance. 
peace, the truth is this, peace is the reality of heaven. Think about it right now. There is no lack of peace in heaven. I don't think God is sitting on this throne with his son next to him, watching everything that's going on, going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I just don't have the answers this time. I don't think Jesus is going, Dad, 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 we've really got to figure this out. <laughs> Dad, like now. Like, no, 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 we don't have time to keep worrying about other things. Like, we've got to drop the whole, like, don't send a storm over here, and we've got to stop listening to these prayers over here, and we've really just got to concentrate on what's going on right now. I'm pretty sure that the Father and the Son sitting on the throne are going, it's going to be all right. I know what's going on. I'm intimately involved and I have all the answers. The truth is this. Peace is the reality of heaven. Bill Johnson says that peace is the, is the breath of heaven. It's the oxygen of heaven. It's what heaven survives on and lives in. It's the atmosphere of heaven. But the truth is this. If it's the reality of heaven, it was also Jesus' reality. Jesus came and demonstrated what it looked like to walk as a human with the reality of this world, the natural reality of this world, coming into, into collision with the supernatural reality of heaven. The disciples were living in the reality of what was going on around them circumstantially. Jesus was living not outside of that reality, but he was living with a superior reality, which is the reality of heaven. And the reality of heaven caused peace to come inside of him. He was living within it. Jesus lives in peace. That's his absolute reality. And what does that mean? It allows for rest. If I preach these sermons uh, with a long time in between them about last week rest and peace later, you might miss it because some of us would try really hard to get to that place of rest and not have it because we're not in peace when we're at rest. It's kind of like this. Have you ever gone on vacation? It takes you like seven days to unwind and then you have to go back home. You have to pack your bag and go back home. Peace allows us to rest in the middle of a storm. The peace that God gives allows us in the midst of circumstance to enjoy even the comfort that he gives us in something. Jesus was enjoying the comfort of a pillow and the mellow rocking of a boat (laughs) or the violent rocking of the boat. Either way, he was at rest. Because the reality of heaven was his reality. And he brought, as a person, the reality of heaven into the situation. Peace is in a person. In Luke chapter 19, verses 41 and 44, we have an account of Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Here's what it says. As he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead. As he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. The peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on every side. And they'll crush you into the ground and your children with you. And your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. Why? Because you did not recognize when God visited you. The issue for Jesus was that 
his people that he loved so much and the city that he adored, the city that God had chosen to give its name to, missed their encounter with God. And because they did, they did not know peace. Our peace is wrapped up and is found in the visitation of Jesus Christ into our lives. And if we will insist on it coming from somewhere else, we will miss the opportunity to find that peace. Peace is in a person, but peace is not the absence of conflict. Some of us think, listen, the only time I can have peace is when the raves aren't rocking. Think about it for a minute. The disciples took Jesus with them in the boat. They had the right person, right? They even, when they saw the wind and the waves coming against them, they went to the right person, right? So peace is found with a person. But here's the thing. You can have that person with you and not have peace. We can be the people of God who have the, the Spirit of God living within us, walking with Jesus and not enjoy peace. Is there anybody in here who's enjoyed perfect and total peace ever since you started walking with Jesus? I know I haven't. So what does that tell me? Does that tell me that God has failed me and he's no longer with me? No, it tells me that there's another issue at play here. And the other issue is this. Peace is not just found in a person, it's specifically found in his words. And this is key. This is what we need to understand if we're going to talk about and live in the peace that God designed us to live. Peace is found in Jesus alone. It's destroyed when I try to find it in anything but relationship with God. But it's specifically not found only in his passive presence, but his voice speaking into our lives right now. He stood up and he spoke to the storm and he said, peace be still. He said, silence, be still. He brought the reality of heaven that he lived in, and through his words, he brought that reality into being around us. The peace of God is brought into reality around us when we hear and believe and respond to his word. Because catch this, Jesus changed the circumstance It was still. He, he spoke the reality of heaven and the reality of earth, the physical earth, changed. But did the hearts of the disciples change? They came to him and they said, don't you care that we're drowning? They weren't concerned with their drowning anymore, but were they at peace? The scripture said, no, they were terrified. Now they're, now they're worrying about something else. This, the wind and the waves obey this guy. What, man, I'm not. They still didn't find peace. And so it's not just that we hear the word of God. It's that we hear the word of God and it impacts our hearts. It changes us and we respond in faith to the word that God speaks. Check this out. God said this. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, the enemy would love to destroy our peace because he would like to get us to stop thinking about God and he would like us to get a false picture of who God is. And so how does he do that? He challenges the word of God. 
What was the attitude the disciples had in this context? Don't you care that we're about to drown? That is a ridiculous question for God. That was a ridiculous question for Jesus. They should have known, at least by now, Jesus had an expectation that they would know that he cared. What does does a lack of peace do? A lack of peace isolates us and makes us think that nobody really cares about us. Think about, again, to that fight with your significant other or somebody else, that disagreement that you're having. You lose your peace when you don't think that they have your best interest in mind, right? You, you, can't, you can't comprehend that they would. And yet when we lose the peace that God has given us, we actually question whether God has our goodness in mind, whether he is as good as he claims to be. And it robs us of our peace. Peace is obtained and maintained by hearing God. Peace is obtained and maintained by hearing God. Psalms 119, 165 says, Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. Proverbs 133 says, But all who listen to me, to wisdom, to God personified in wisdom, will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. Listen, some of us will say, Okay, great. Pastor, you say we sh- if we're going to have peace, we have to hear God, but that's difficult for me. The truth is this. God does not make hearing him difficult. We make it difficult. Don't you think that God, in, in all of his goodness, and all of his power, and all of his glory, is able to speak to us whatever he wants to say? God literally moved heaven and earth and sent his son to make sure we got the message. Right? I don't think he's saying, okay, mm, I don't know if I can get this one through to them. Hearing is not difficult for those who belong to God. We were literally made for it. Hearing God is not supposed to be a rare thing. He's always speaking. So the issue is not so much whether we're hearing God. The issue is what are we hearing? The disciples heard what Jesus said, right? But what did they hear out of that? Did the reality of the peace of heaven come to their hearts, or were they more terrified because they didn't hear or they heard something else? Peace is lost in not hearing God. Sorry, peace is lost not in not hearing God. Peace is lost in hearing something else above God. Did you catch that? So peace is found in hearing the words of God. Peace is lost not because we don't hear him. It's because we hear something else. We, the disciples heard the wind and the waves. They heard the boat taking on water. It was all reality, right? Was there a storm? Yes. Was the boat sinking? Yes. Would they have drowned if the boat sank? Yes. Those are all realities that they're dealing with. They heard those realities over the reality of what Jesus was hearing and experiencing, which was the peace of God. Jesus' words reflect an unseen reality. He brings the peace of heaven through his words to the earth. Every, listen to me, every word of God has a potential for harvest. God's always speaking, right? 
God's always speaking, and it's not difficult to hear, but whether or not the seed produces harvest determines what soil it lands into, and what is determined by that soil is how we hear. And so Jesus tells a parable, a parable of the soils. We're not going to get into it fully, but here's what he, he says. There's a bunch of different kinds of soil. He said, the first, there's a hard soil. The seed never gets in. The word never gets in, so it can't, it can't implant itself. It can't produce a harvest. Then there's the rocky soil. The seed gets in. It sprouts up quickly, but there's nothing to sustain it. It doesn't have a deep root to sustain it. And then he says this, and this is really interesting as he explains it. He says that there, there's seed that fell among thorns. And Jesus interprets that in Mark chapter 4, verses 18. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, verse 19, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. What is the issue here? It's not the seed. The word of God always has potential to accomplish everything that God wants it to accomplish. But what robbed the seed of its power, of its authority, it was the cares and the desires of the heart that choke it out. It's the other things that we believe. Did that change the power of God's word? It does in the reality of what we live, but it, it doesn't change whether or not that's, that word has power, right? But something else chokes it out. So the issue for us when we're talking about peace is not whether or not God has given it to us, not whether or not we can have access to it, not whether or not the power, uh, the, the breath of heaven and the atmosphere of heaven and the reality of heaven is peace, and it's not whether or not Jesus is with us, and it's not whether or not Jesus is talking, and it's not whether or not he wants to bring peace into our lives. The issue for us, it comes down to who are we believing and what are we listening to? And the reality is you can't stop everything from coming at you. Right? What we try to do is make everything else stop around us. But the peace of God comes as we hear God's voice and we say yes to his word over what we are experiencing. Not that we avoid it, but that we say, but the reality of heaven is this. It's the peace of God. Jesus said it this way. Verse 40, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus ties a lack of faith or a lack of peace to a lack of faith. The peace of God allows us to hear what God is saying. So it's kind of like, a, a, like once you decide this is how it's going to be, all the other things, because peace is that soil for the word of God to land in and produce a harvest. A lack of peace indicates a lack of faith. And when we lose our peace, it's actually an indication of sin. Did you ever think about it that way? Like we see the, the reaction that we have to a lack of peace. Like when I have a lack of peace and I'm short with my wife or I'm short with my kids, I'll justify it, but the truth is it is sin, right? That, that snappiness, that irritableness, that sin. We'll say, okay, that's sin. But the truth is this, the loss of peace is a sin. Now, don't look at me like, oh, great, Pastor Josh, you just brought us in here to beat us up. Not at all. Not at all. Ignoring him or believing a lie is sin, right? It's just falling, it's simply falling short. We've agreed about a lie with our, about our Heavenly Father, about what He thinks about us and about who we are. Here's the answer to it, and it's so simple and beautiful. 
all it requires is repentance. To restore peace in our lives, all that's required is repentance. Jesus, you're right. You care about us. Jesus, you're right. What you have to say, the peace that you are in, is the peace that I, I could live in. It wouldn't have changed what they did, right? I mean, some commentators, some preachers have said, well, they should have spoke to the waves. Maybe they could have if they were living in the peace, or maybe they would have woke Jesus up and said, I know you got this, but instruct me, what should I do? Either way, right, Jesus doesn't reject us. Jesus doesn't reject his disciples for lack of peace, does he? This is the beginning of Mark, so he's got lots more time with them, right? He doesn't reject us when we, when we suffer with the sin of a loss of peace. He simply invites us to repentance. And what is repentance? Repentance is saying, yes, you're right. It's agreeing with God. It's saying your word is the word. And peace is restored. Repentance restores our peace. The peace that God gives us is a peace that's beyond understanding. If the worship team would come. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now sometimes... We, when we pray, we do the first thing that he says, tell God what you need, right? And that's how we, okay, I'll just give it to God. God, I need this, God, I need that, God, I need this. But what if it's to stop and hear what he has to say and, say, and thank him for all that he has done? We live in the reality of the cross that brings this peace through Jesus Christ into our lives, not as a future thing but as a now thing so if it's a now thing it's what he's already done and so as we come to him and pray about it tell him what we need and thank him for what he's done what does it say then you will experience god's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand remember we said jesus said it's a peace that i give that the world can't give you we as his children, we as his kids, ought to be marked with peace in such a way that the world goes, I just don't get it. And we can say, yes, and you can get it, but you just got to get it through Jesus. Why are you so calm in the midst of this? I'm not talking about being stoic. I'm not talking about sticking our heads in the sand. I'm not talking about ignoring the problems around us. I'm not talking about being a bunch of people that get into our little bubbles and everything's controlled and our peace comes from that. I'm talking about living in the midst of a a messy, destructive, raging world that doesn't look like God's kingdom is advancing at all and saying, yes, but if God's kingdom is going to advance, it's going to advance first in my heart and it advances as I walk in the peace that is the reality of heaven. And it's beyond understanding. And what happens? Because when that happens, when that peace that passes understanding, that's beyond our understanding, invades our heart and our lives, it fills us, what happens? Then that peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Jesus.
in his presence and in his words. Verse 1 of chapter 5 of Romans, Paul wrote, Paul writes, therefore, since we've been made right with Christ in God's sight, made in, right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done, has done for us. So it's a simple response this morning. By faith, you can have peace restored. It starts by recognizing that the loss of peace is there and that it's not okay. But in Jesus, as he speaks to our lives, as he speaks in his word, as he makes this word come alive to us, says this is about you, this is about how I'm going to work with you, this is about what I'm able to do, this is about how much I love you and how much I'm passionate about you, this is about you understanding that my words are going to produce the best for you as you live them out. We gain the peace of God and we have peace restored and that peace guards our hearts and our minds. Would you just close your eyes with me for a minute? And I really, I really want you to just ask, God, where in my life do I not enjoy the peace of heaven? Do I not enjoy the reality of heaven? And then as those are brought to your remembrance, to your mind, don't live in shame. Don't let the voice of the enemy rob you of the peace of the moment in saying, yes, you're right, God, I shouldn't be anxious about that. I shouldn't worry about that. I just say, Jesus, you're right. I repent for walking in a lack of peace. Could it just be that simple? Jesus, we thank you that your gospel is powerful but not complex. And we thank you that what all of creation longs for has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And it's been given to us in your word, spoken over us. And so, Father, today we ask that you would forgive us for believing lies. For believing even the reality of what's around us and, and listening to that voice and making that truth over what you say. Identify every one of those places in our lives by your grace so we can surrender that area to you and we can walk in the peace that you designed us to walk in. We repent. Say you're right. May we be the people that walk in the light of your word and walk in a peace that's beyond understanding and walk in a peace that guards our heart and mind in Christ Jesus that allows us to live in you and in your peace. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, there is a peace that you cannot know until you do. And if you're desirous of that, 
there will be some folks that are in the back that would love to pray with you and introduce you to a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Prince of Peace, and to allow the reality of heaven to become your reality. I just want to encourage you, if you have never done that, today is the day to enter into that peace and that rest like you've never known by receiving the free gift of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection on your behalf. Jake's coming now to, to dismiss us. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Remember, next week we'll be here at 8.30 and the week 